Hello everyone, welcome back to Sidetrack. We have just come back from Reading Week. Hope everyone now feel refreshed and energized um, to what extent that might be. That's right. Don't know about your Reading Week, but mine has been packed with emotional trauma. But enough of that negativity. We are here today with our two new guests, Finn and Louis. Do you guys want to do an introduction? Hi guys, I'm Louis. I am famous for going to school with Louis <laughs> in the year below. <laughs> nice to meet you. Hello, my name is Finn. Uh, I, I'm just kind of here. I'm on a committee <laughs> with Yella. Uh, but yeah, that's basically it. Anyway, so our topic today is the digital visualization of modernity. This is an incredible broad topic, so we are just going to focus on the artistic aspect of visualization for today. That's right. Modern modernity is underpinned by technological advancements, which refine pathways of life. In terms of our history... What Finn and I are most familiar with, modern art encapsulates the rejection of the old and the jump to the new. So this leads us to ask the riveting question, how is modernity visualized digitally? What drove the needs to digitalize um, visuals and what the outcomes of this visualization means? Louis and I don't study art or art history, so along with some of our listeners, we are approaching this topic without much academic knowledge. So we do want to keep this discussion outside the realm of academia and as relatable as possible. Exactly, and before we get on to our personal experiences with different types of visualization, can we try to find what a digitally visualized modernity is for us? It's a big question. <laughs> Finn, would you like to speak? I'm not really familiar with this. Uh, sure, I'll give it a shot. So a digitally visualized modernity. Um, modernity is a weird concept because it's so time dependent, i.e. like when we study history, we consider things like the early modern period, but early modern isn't modern in the sense of what we consider modern. That makes no sense. Um, but modern is a like a time relative term. Um, so if we talk about, at least in the current era, what we consider modern, and I guess some would say contemporary, like a digital visualization of that, would be anything from like up-and-coming technology, things like, you know, in the early 2000s, you had the Blackberry, and then iPhones, and then as time has gone on, it's, we've become, we started using like things like AI commercially. So anything that's kind of new, updated technology, updated ideas brought out to, and utilized in the modern sphere. So that's my two cents, at least. I think what I can add on to that is with how this reflects modernity, especially you can see with a historical perspective that it's usually driven by relevant factors at the time. Early modern period, you had the Reformation, you had the Renaissance, and this is reflected in its plays and its written work and its sculptures. Thank you very much. Um, and I guess with the word digital... You know, we're associating that with technology and modernity often, at least in terms of art history, comes with this technological advancement, as we have mentioned. And today we hope to focus more on art, cinema, um, graphics, uh, so that could be on consumeristic products, and um, hope to go into gaming as well, because I know, Finn, you've got lots to say about that. <laughs> More than enough. I'm a nerd and I have no life. We love that, love that. Um, so, Finn, do you want to maybe talk about your project? I would love to. As I'm actually typing, I am looking to bring up a specific... I know we're not supposed to delve into academia, but there's a really relevant reading I had to do for my 
art history module. For context, I'm in an art history module on relief sculpture. Um, and we had this very specific reading in the beginning of the module um, about, I think it's called like format theory, which I still don't understand what format theory actually is. But the reading was basically about how as time goes on, things become compressed. So there is an inherent kind of desire and drive to make things smaller and more portable, more understandable. And the example they use is like MP3 players. And in terms of music production, um, and digitalization. At first you had things like vinyls and you had gramophones, which are these hunking machines and you would have these massive discs that you'd place down and you'd have to make sure they work and they had these massive sound horns um, that you'd use to play music. But as time has gone on, things become compressed and digi digitized. So you go from the gramophone to the MP3 player um, and you had the CD and you had like the Walkman, um, which is before our time, which I know to like anyone who's over the age of 26 is like the fuck. So um, would you say another example of this would be the evolution of logos how the modern logos yeah. are very minimalistic mm -hmm. um, minimalism is interesting because people don't like it most of the time because there's nothing there but it is this idea of like compression and as things as time moves forward we want things to be smaller more like logos more understandable easily compartmentalized and portable so yeah and so do you think art has fed into that do you think art's become more minimal or more accessible at least <laughs> yes and no um art is hard because it's a multimedia um what's the word i'm looking for like a mul it's multimedia so you can have not only like painting but you can also have sculpture you can have digital art um you can have art installations you can have performance art like there's so many different forms that art can take that to kind of say that art inherently compresses itself is not necessarily it does a kind of a disservice to art as a discipline um, but it's also one of those things that, like, what is art has been such a <laughs> long debate that, like, any art historian will start foaming at the mouth if you start talking about it. Um, so I don't. I think it's unfair to call like art generally like a comp like uh, consider it just compressing as time goes on. But there are some aspects like the technology we use and the format that it comes in, smaller, more streamlined, like you know, paper thin. When you see like ads for Samsung or iPhone, and you have like paper thin screens, and, like can fit in your pocket, like that's all compression. I think the um, reason for that is, is it's become more efficient, you know, way right? It's for daily daily reuse, and like people can like bring more with them, in a sense. Efficiency usually comes with compression because the smaller it is, it's easier to take around, it's easier to pull out and utilize, um, and it just kind of creates again like this whole streamlined thing with logos. Just a question for Finn. And I'm playing devil's advocate here. Please don't kill me, Yellen Finn. Um, looking at art with a completely uh, amateurish perspective, do you think art inherently favours traditionalism in the long term? For example, nowadays, minimalism is inherently popular. Most logos are minimalistic. Most art has this minimalistic, modern vibe to it. But when you ask people on the street, what do they consider the great works of art? They would consider art from the Renaissance, art from the early modern period, all of those things. Do you think, given enough time, traditional art and traditional forms of art take precedence over modern ones? That's a great question. That is a great question. I feel like, you know, when you ask people what what is a great piece of art and they say the renaissance they're usually referring to you know art, the great masters 
that we we learn about you know in our history and what the pu- general public know about because of this kind of because of the academia associated to art oh yeah yeah about, yeah you know it's about it's more than just the aesthetics for the painting it's it's about like you know visual analysis how compositions fit together how colors fit to together to to portray like a meaning for the painting but i feel like with a more minimalist um approach to i'm guessing like logos or a general graphic design i feel like that's i guess more of like an aesthetic that uh, i don't know maybe contemporary people adhere to so would you say those are more for commercial use rather than being a form of appreciative art yeah for sure um i think commerce really comes in here because with with like you know for example ads you have to be more straightforward with your messages and you you know you combine that with aesthetics and i guess you got like a just your good looking aesthetic um kind of advert well there's the sense that like you know the great if we consider the the greats so you know michelangelo donatello leonardo Raphael, the ninja turtles um that that there's this inherent sense of like wealth and opulence to it. If you like, for off the top of my head, I think it was like twenty seventeen. Whatever the Met Gala theme that was like heavenly bodies, and like everyone was just like decked out. There's this <laughs> there's this like idea that these kind of these old works are associated with a sense of opulence, like opulence and egregious wealth, um, and. Part of that is because there is this legacy of, you know, especially in academia, um, of a Western-dominated perspective and Western superiority, especially in art history. And, and I feel like that, you know, goes along. That's like a lot of, like, contemporary criticism about modern and contemporary art um, kind of goes against it. Like the reason people like it is because it's not there's no quote unquote skill involved, and you know to some people they're like, well, I could do that, therefore it's not art. But you also didn't, so you know anyone could design a logo, but the thing is you didn't design a logo, and someone else did. So you know skill can be associated with art, but skill is not necessarily the only way we determine art. If that makes sense. Does that answer your question, Louis? Yeah, I just want to add on to that with a further question. Do you think modern art, including digital art, NFTs for example, is more reliant, less so on the fact that it is art, more so the fact that it's a commodity? Because certainly in my history studies, I I was learning about, well, the printing press and books. Uh, books were actually originally... Of course, they were for reading, but their owners did not read them. They uh, put them out on bookshelves as a decoration to show their uh, cohorts how wealthy and how uh, academic they are. It was never meant to be a, a tool. It was meant to be a, a display. Um, <coughs> sorry. As yeah, you I, die I, over I, there. Die. Slowly but surely. Um, yeah, I think that's... Art as a commodity hasn't just been like a contemporary modern thing. Oh, it's always been a commodity. It's, it's always been a commodity, you know. Um, I guess a good example of that would be um, during like the 17th century when they had the Grand Tour. Oh, um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. And then, so basically, it's like a gap year for 
aristocrats and they were usually like young men who just finished the i don't know studies i'm guessing um who would do like a tour around rome um italy somewhere in italy uh also like holland maybe um just the the tour around europe and they would always buy back these um either big paintings um commissioned to sort of demonstrate that they have been to these places in europe and they would uh if i remember correctly they would have like um rooms filled with these kind of things so it would be more than paintings as well it would be like globes or like artifacts that they collect on along their way um but that as like an act of demonstration of the wealth first of all and the status um but yeah using art to show that they should to as as part of their identity i guess to express their identity it's one of those things that like people will buy expensive things to prove that they have money it's the whole reason why you buy like i don't know about your opinions i think gucci designs the most ugliest things on the planet and i will stand by that statement or versace versace horrible awful i hate it all um but it's one of those things that like these like fashion houses high quality fashion houses sometimes make such egregious designs and they slap their logo on it but the reason that people buy it is to prove that you have money. Like, if you walk around with, like, something that is recognizably Gucci or Versace and you see that logo on someone's T-shirt, on a bag, you're like, ah, clearly that person has enough money to be able to kind of, like, casually drop however many thousands of pounds on a bag. Um, And I think... I don't want to say the same thing can go for art, but I know that, at least in my experience, I work in a whiskey shop, for context, and there's this one brand called Macallan, which... Our entire staff dislikes, but it's so well-known and pricey. So the reason why people buy it is because it's like the same reason that you buy a luxury item, right? You buy it because of a name, um, which ties into this whole idea of like commodity fetishism, right? And that you buy objects to display your wealth or display your status, or you use them as like a determiner of your own social status. Um, and it's been a trend throughout art, and it that trend doesn't go away anytime soon. But, art continuously sells for thousands of hundreds of thousands. But you wouldn't say that art, the, the value for the arts is in the price tag, would you? No, the value of art is not in the price tag. Um, it's just one way by which we determine its value, if that makes any sense. Like, the value is not in it, but it is one way by which some people use it as a metric. It doesn't mean it's the right one. Mm-hmm. But it is, a, it's like some people will just attach a price tag to something and say it's there for this much. Yeah, I guess that would, you know, work for, like, <coughs> auction houses. How, like, I've always wondered how they would put a price on art, you know? Like, what factors from the piece of artwork do they determine um, how, how much it would cost? You mentioned that you're doing research on gaming and the art in- Yes, so there is a really, it's for my relief midterm, um, but basically, or my final exam, um, it's a 3,000-word research paper, Um but we get to choose it on any topic we want. Um, and so as long as it kind of relates to, like, relief as an aesthetic practice. So I chose video games. Um, and there's a really fascinating body of work on, like, our video games art. I'm being told to turn the microphone around. <laughs> um, there is a really fascinating body of work on whether video games are considered art or not. And can you make video games with the intention of being art? Um and what does that look like? And then, like, representations of traditional art in digital playable formats. And it's this really cool, interesting, but it makes my head hurt, debate. Um, 
And it's one of those things that, you know, the example I'm using is a game called Hades, which was developed by Supergiant Games in... I love that game. It's, it's so really good. good. It's really good, yeah. i played it so many times. I, what's the whole point is that you can replay it so many times. Yeah. Um, but it was, like, it received a lot of awards for its visual art style, but also there's this idea that, like, you know, the game itself is modeled in 2D, so you can only move on the X and Y axis, but there's a simulated third dimension, um, which is a lot of times how relief sculpture works, is that it's, like, relief sculpture is 2D, but it creates a simulated third dimension, and that you feel like you can move backward and forward, when in reality you can only, or you can move backward, forward, and side to side, and, um, whatever, the Z axis, I don't know what direction you call that, but whatever the Z axis is, um, but that's not the case. You only have two dimensions to work with instead of three. So it is a really interesting debate, um, especially just about like video games generally, because they're so. We a lot of people consume them for anything from mobile games to um, like things like Hades, um, Call of Duty. All involve visual art styles. So why don't we consider those like high art if it's so widely available? The same reason like logos or NFTs. Or like even digital art, like when people buy a commission. Coming at this with like a beginner's angle, because I know you're a guru. I mean, it's, I think for me at least, it's one of those things where I would consider many forms, well, many uh, video games, like a form of art. I think it just comes down to the fact that it is inherently subjective. For example, I would look at, let's say, a minimalist art piece that many people may consider art, but I might not consider art. I think it's just what it invokes within you because i mean for me at least i loved i don't know if anyone here has played it but the new cyberpunk game as i have wanted to it's like so and i think many people are going to come at me for this but i loved it it was great and the actual game it's gotten so much better it's gone so much better i mean the way it was designed has its flaws but the story and and the message it was trying to display has parallels to messages in other forms of art, like paintings and films and TV. So why can't you consider that art is the question I would ask people. Do you think it's down to the audience that it was targeted to? Do you think audience has an impact on this? On whether something is considered art, yes and no. Um, there's a study, a very niche realm of like humanity study called ludology, which is the study of game playing, um, and it's kind of in the same realm that like film studies is. Um, but some people don't consider video games art because of their ludological, ludo- ludological, ludological, whatever that <laughs> adjective is, um, because of the fact that you can that you play them as a game. Um, and one of the, there's this really famous, I think it was a film critic. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but it was this guy who was like really popular in the early 2000s. It was a film critic. Um, and he like, you know what I'm talking about. Quentin Tarantino, maybe. Nah, I don't think it was, he's the director. Yeah, Quentin's the director. I don't know who it was, but there was some film critic who got a lot of online hate because he was like, video games are never art. And the entire internet's like, screw you, they are. And he's like, no, they aren't for these reasons. And he says that the fact that like you can play video games is, that's why they're not art. They're, um, the other thing was that they have a certain goal in mind. Um, and he's like, for that reason, because the narrator, whoever's designing the game, like wants you to get to a specific outcome, it is therefore not art. And the entire 
so mind you, this is like early 2000s, like early 2010s. The internet rallied against him and was like false for these reasons. Um, and that is part of the reason why people don't consider video games art is because you can play them and because there's a specific message that the narrator or whoever designed the game is trying to get you to understand. Like you have a goal in mind. In the case of, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good like example, like Angry Birds. I don't know. We've all played that. Um, the whole goal is to basically destroy the entire all the, you know, green pig things. Um, but that's the whole point of Angry Birds is that you d- destroy the pigs. You want to break down their towers. You want to kill everything by the end, like with however much ammo you have. In the case of something like, I don't know, that's another one that most people have played. Plants vs. Zombie. Plants vs. Zombies. It's a tower defense game. Like the whole goal is that you sit there and you defend yourself from zombies um and for that reason you know because there's an outcome the preordained outcome you cannot consider video games art uh which i firmly disagree with for numerous reasons um but yeah i mean more on that it was i mean although i agree with these people it was i think there was a sense of superiority and not just video games but new films like uh what i was trying to say earlier like quentin tarantino martin scorsese these two really famous directors are known for being like against considering video games and many new films art they consider i think martin scorsese said and correct me if i'm wrong anyone but he compared uh new films like marvel films as more like a theme park ride rather than art and i mean in terms of the complexity of these films, it can be debated that they're quite simple. However, I think the fact that art is inherently subjective, you can't really take away anyone's feeling of emotion from a piece of work that I feel like is wrong to just put a blanket statement over, let's say, superhero films or over video games that they can never be art because of their nature. I think at the foundation of everything, in terms of art, films, or games, at the foundation of everything, they are trying to express a point of view, a, a perspective. They try to express um, what they have pictured in their head in the form of introduction, conclusion, and a mid-body. And I think that's what, that's what kind of beautiful art Yeah. I think also they do... I many people notice it or are beginning to notice it now but especially a lot of games now reflect issues of the time i'm going to go back to cyberpunk and use another game the outer worlds and fallout uh these three games all rpgs uh, role-playing games they're explicitly the same in their message and they're against what they're what many people are afraid of of corporate monopolies and hogging power and like uh the world powers fallout is about america versus china and the fallout that happens through that while cyberpunk is more about how corporations hoard so much wealth and power and land that they become the dominant force um if music like music can reflect those same anxieties and we can visualize like what we are worried about and what we're anxious about auditorily why can't we do it visually and why can't we do it in the form of a game like part of the thing that makes cyberpunk and fallout so appealing is that you know you are plopped into this world where all like they they preordain a set of rules a set of a context and you're 
supposed to sit there and be like, okay, what do I do now? And it's a visualization of like, it's one of those things, it's a visualization of a future that may or may not come to pass, but like, how do we act in a game like that? Um, especially with RPGs and open world games, they're so popular because they have freedom. Um, and in that sense, like being able to give, you know, the whole idea that, um, you know, video games can't be art because there's a direction. There's, like, specific goal in mind. Yes, but also, if you, like, drop... If you are playing Zelda, Breath of the Wild, or um, Fallout, or Cyberpunk, you automatically have free choice, and you can do whatever you want. And in that sense, that is kind of, like, you know, being able to give people agency gets rid of the whole debate of, like, video games can't be art because there's a goal. If you can move around and do whatever you want, like, that criticism is already nixed. Um, I guess... Adding on to what you said about the the criticism for video games because as not art because it has a message or a goal, um, can we compare that to like traditional forms of art? So like for example, oil painting, where you know it's it's always the creator or the artist in this case um, who has a message in mind and who wants to express this message, but they just do it differently. So for for painters, it would be doing it through composition, colors, lines, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I guess with f- video game creators, it would be to I guess guide. There's a bit more freedom. There's a bit more freedom, and it's it's more interactive in the way that they're trying to get people to understand this message. Does that I don't know. Well, like think of like so. Let's use Fallout as an example of video games, and um, you know, with, like the relief sculptures on the Parthenon. The ones like that the freeze goes around. So the reef sculptures on the Parthenon um, tell are like in a wide. They have a wide variety of stories, but each of them tells a story of um, Titanomachy, which is the Battle of the Titans, um, Amazonomachy, the Battle of the Amazons, Satyromachy, Battle with the Satyrs, um, and one more. I can't remember. Gigantomachy, Battle with the Giants. Um, but these are all stories that are told in relief sculptures. This is a form of art sculpture with a specific goal in mind and that you read it you get the story and you understand it so by the end of the relief you are like ah and the gods won the end um and in that sense that's the same thing with fallout right if this if fallout is kind of it's an alternate universe where the united states and china have gone to war um and this is an outcome that we have to deal with you know the whole storyline is like once you get to the end you, you've like completed you, you've completed the story but it's the same thing as reading the relief sculpture right in the sense of like there is an outcome there's a message you're trying to get to once you get to the end you get to the end video games just have more freedom in that sense um and even something like you know oil painting i guess like it could be you know with cyclical continuous na- uh, paintings yeah, um yeah. yeah that would tell a story in just one painting but they have different scenes and it would be with the same people as well or like you know like egyptian tomb paintings um that's one where you have multiple different scenes that tell a very large wide-ranging story and in this case that's a lot more specific but if you think of something like um or like guernica um which so that's the spanish civil war but it's also a story of loss and grief and death and it's this absolute chaos and mess of um figures just kind of thrown in here so we can either view this as like you know very directly the spanish civil war and um kind of what that looked like how people visualize that emote like how people externalize that pain but also we can view it as just a general story of grief and the same thing goes for video games cyberpunk fallout you know you can view this as a very specific storyline 
or you can view it as um, you know a general story about a nuclear apocalypse or what happens if we let people in power have too much freedom with nuclear weapons or when global warming hits how do humans react so you can like you can understand the specific message you can understand the specific message but there's a freedom to get your understanding like what's the word i'm looking for glean your own there we go glean um yeah um okay so we've talked about the similarities between gaming and like traditional forms of art um so what do you think sets them apart i mean for me it'd be mostly kind of the the interactive side of the audience um because we're we're used to taking in art i guess passively or through just through looking or listening but with video games we have more control over over the the art if that makes sense um yeah do you, do you want to talk about that maybe uh i mean yeah i would completely agree it's like songs exist to express a message th- through an audio sense uh paintings exist to express a message through a visual sense i think video games exist and many other digital forms of art exist to allow you to immerse yourself and experience the message uh like okay another example grand theft auto 5 i'm sure many people have played it it's an exaggerated but grounded version grounded in reality uh version of los angeles and what it's trying to convey is it's trying to show the player it's trying to make you look within yourself and realize how abhorrent things like uh too much consumerism uh like letting go of your morals how bad can that that can be as well as hoarding wealth stuff like prioritizing wealth over family that's a big thing in grand theft auto 5 these messages are core in the game series so i think yeah it's uh video games use a method that hasn't been used before that being you can actively experience the art form and i think that one of the biggest difference in my opinion between art and gaming is perhaps an art describes a a time frame a specific snapshot of the moment whereas in games which i'm going to use the last of us as a great example, is very much is a very complete game. In The Last of Us, the story goes progressive, you know, carries on, and you have your own choices to make. You know, they they might impact the outcome of the games. Uh, and there's the scientific of the world. Everything's laid out perfectly with um, a lot of backstories, and everything makes sense in the game world, and also can be justifiable to a certain extent in the real world. And it's just a case of. Um, yeah, what happened if this actually happened in the real world, but we put it in games. I think the idea of player interaction as a metric for like our video games art, yes or no, um, is interesting because there is an entire subset of performance art um, that hinges on audience interaction. Um, the most famous example of which is Yoko Ono's cut piece. She performed it three times, um, but basically she had this like black slip dress on, and she had a pair of scissors in front of her. And at any point in time, you could just take the scissors, come up and just cut a piece of cloth off. And that was the work of art. Um, and in a similar vein, Maria Abramovich's Rhythm Zero. Yella is nodding aggressively. Um, Rhythm Zero was another performance piece by the famous, I believe she's Armino. Maria Abramovich. I don't know. But you might, you probably know Maria Abramovich. Um, 
basically she had 70, I think it was like 72 or 75 objects laid out on a table and she stood there and it was, you know, there was a note that was written on the table and said, you know, for the next six hours or eight hours or 12 hours, something like that, um, you know, you can do whatever you want. I'm just going to stand here. Um, I will not fight back. Like I won't do anything. You, you have full freedom. Use the objects at your disposal. And people did anything. You know, there was a lipstick. There was a razor. There was a sweater, like a rose, makeup, um, a comb, like so many different objects on the table. Um, and that was another example of encouraged audience interaction in that, um, you know, for the next, I think it was eight, 12, whatever hour, amount of hours, um, People did all sorts of things. People started cutting her clothes off. Uh, I think there was, at one point, there was a gun with a singular bullet in it, and someone, like, put the gun in her hand and, like, put it up to her own head. And that's another example of performance art that has a message in mind. Like, Rhythm Zero had such a freedom to it in that there were 75 objects you could choose from, you could do anything you wanted, and people made specific choices, but there was a message in the end. And the same thing goes for RPG games. You know, there is a specific goal at the very end, but you have so many choices you can make along the way. I think another example is Undertale, um, where there are so many different routes you can take the pacifist route, the normal route, or the genocide route. Um, and each one of them has a specific outcome, um, and it all depends on the player choices you make. And if we are using that metric of like, you know, audience interaction and freedom, you know, a certain degree of freedom discounts or creates art, you know, can we, is that, is that same, can we like take that level of freedom and copy paste it onto different forms of um, it, like performance art and also video games? So RPGs are like Undertale and Rhythm Zero. You know, if, if Rhythm Zero is considered art, but Undertale isn't because it has a specific level of freedom, why is that? And what is this level of freedom we're using as a defining fact? I think also on that, it's that I just want to make a point. I think from my perspective, it's not as if digital art is more important than traditional forms of art or uh, traditional art slash modern art is less prominent now. I would say there's a gradual shift towards more interactive slash performance art like video games. And I just want to give one example uh, of Francis Elise who pushed a block of ice through Mexico City for nine hours. And many people were looking at him very confused. They didn't even know he was an artist. They just thought he was a whack job pushing a block of ice. But the meaning behind that was he was pushing a block of ice through Mexico City for nine hours, this massive block of ice that quickly, quickly became nothing, just a puddle of water to show... Well, his message was to show how quickly things like climate change can deteriorate and can get uh, past the point of no return. You see parallels uh, with video games, like using cyberpunk as another example we've used many times before. It shows the consequences of a world in which many factors like climate change, like uh, hyper-capitalism, like uh, political divisions. Yeah, yeah have gone way too far it shows the consequences of that they're they both have similar messages climate change is a core message of cyberpunk but they just show it in different ways but i think you see more performance art surrounding climate change like just stop oil for example you you can uh consider them performance artists <laughs> but uh compared to art about climate change i i would say in my experience i've barely seen 
any art. I mean, nowadays, some games can also be interactive movies. For example, Detroit Become Human. Yeah. As the fundamental question is, can AI or like robots be a human? Do they have the equal rights and such? And they give you all all these like a hundred different outcomes of the how the story ends, and it's you who decide how the movie plays. And I think is is definitely an industry with 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 drastic um, progression in the future, you know, interactive movies. So, would you guys consider video games as art? I would say yes and no. It comes down to the purpose. If I draw a picture for the purpose of conveying a specific message, I would say that's art. You might like it, you might hate it, but it's art, at least in one person's mind, and that's my mind. If I create a video game, and I'm going to use Half-Life as an example. Half-Life, uh, many people consider to be the one of the fathers of video games. It's this very famous game series. But one of the one of the core reasons they made that game wasn't to really convey a message, uh, like in the artistic sense. It was to convey a message in the technological sense. They had cr- created for the very first time a video game that is able to convey a message through story not just mindlessly killing people. And then this message uh, continues through Half-Life 2 in which they use other mechanics like using a physics engine in a video game for uh, for the very first time. Well, not for the first time, but the first time in a good sense. That context, however, they're not conveying a message in the political or social sense. They're creating a message through the technological sense, showing that gradual advancement of what we humans can do. Um, I might be biased, but undoubtedly, yes, I think we should or can consider video games art um, in the sense of this, you know, that storytelling aspect too, how you can convey such strong emotions through an interactive format. Um, but also, you know, there's this really long and like people get up and like fight each other about it, debate about what is art, um, which involves so many different ontological ideas and like, you know, um, thoughts on being and existence. But um, I think for the simple fact that, you know, we can feel an emotion whether or not it's the intended one we can feel an emotion we can experience a story and something in us can move and can be changed because of video games and storytelling um if you know certain works of art um and movies can do that and we consider those you know forms of high art or you know high quality entertainment um then video games should be the exact same uh not only their visual aspect but what goes into the coding you know that in itself is I use the term art form lightly, but that in itself takes so much effort and is not something that's easily done. The utilization of a physics engine, like that takes a lot of know-how, not only visualization, um, but technological know-how as well. So yes, undoubtedly. Now the real question is, does artworks inside games count as art? Yes. Um, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, uh, Assassin's Creed. I think it's... I don't know which one it is. It might be Odyssey, but I cannot remember. There's a... There, there's a mini game where the player has to um, find, I think they're called like Eden objects. I cannot remember the life of me because I have not played Assassin's Creed. But there are three Renaissance and Baroque paintings that are included in the Assassin's Creed video game, and you have to find a specific object they've superimposed on top of that painting. Um, and those are examples where art is represented in video games. And to that sense, it is still art. If you're talking about, I think one of them is Goya's Saturn um, eating his own, like Saturn eating his son. Uh, 
that that's still art. We like we all know that Goya painting, and it's I believe that's the one that's included. So yes, it is still art, and it serves an important narratological purpose. We are once again out of time for this amazing episode. <laughs> <laughs> we want to extend our heart film thanks to our fantastic guests Louis and Finn. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. I had fun sitting there ranting about my thoughts on art, but thank you. Thank you, guys. It was some really insightful ideas that that we had. Um, we couldn't go into everything about uh, digital visualiz- visualization in modernity because that is just too much of a broad topic. But I'm glad we touched on gaming and traditional forms of art, cinema. Um, yeah, I think it was a very it was a very insightful discussion. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Your feedback is incredibly valuable to us, and it helps us to bring you more content that matters. Until next time, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.